You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. Uh, would you say hi to my wife, Joan? She's right here on the... She's the... She's the secret weapon. I always say, if you don't like me, that might be discernment. If you don't like my wife, you have a demon. <laughs> That's just about the sweetest person you're ever going to want to meet. This woman has not been, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to start any fights. This woman has not been mean to me one whole day in our entire marriage. I'm not even sure she's been mean to me a whole hour. Like sometimes she's like, honey, I got to tell you, I got to tell you something. And she'll confront me on something. And, you know, there's just no sense in denying it, fellas. So, uh, no, what? Huh? You know, maybe you can get away with that in the early days of your marriage. But she'll be on to you in no time. So I'm like, sometimes I'm apologizing before she even talks. Whatever it is, you have no idea how sorry I am. <laughs> and, and, and I'll deserve it. And then she'll go away and she'll come back. She'll go, you know, I was probably a little too hard on you. And I'm thinking, I don't think so. But anyway, she's a... Uh, Listen, you don't, any Christian can marry any other Christian. You can look at somebody uh, and go, oh, man, I, lo- I like the look of this person. And, and, uh, or you can ask God to pick for you. So you can pick a mate or you can say to the Lord, I almost married somebody else. I almost married somebody else. People were, you know, church people. Like, what do you do? And get a ring. She's awesome. She's amazing. And, and, uh, and she was. I'm sure she made some man happier than he had any right to be. But I got before God. I said, I said, what do you say? And he said, sure. You can marry anybody you want, as long as they're a Christian. But do you want me to be able to do everything I want to do with your life? I said, yes, sir. Sometimes I say that to the Lord. Yes, sir. And he said, well, then, Joan is your wife. Go find her. And we, we, we knew each other in high school. And I lost track of her about three years. And like I say, that, that young lady was a sweet young lady. And I'm sure she is a great wife. But uh, we would not be here today. There would be no new song. There wouldn't, you don't, uh, you know. We had just redecorated our home in California 30 years ago. And I have a prophetic dream about moving and coming here to Nashville and starting a church called New Song. And she says, let's pray into that. She didn't say, are you, are you crazy? Are you a, are you a nut? Uh, she, uh, so anyway, I, I hit the jackpot. And um, so I have my lovely wife. I have three kids. We have three kids. And, uh, you know, I didn't have them. She had them. Uh, but you know what I mean. Uh, uh, we have three kids and we have six grandkids and we got a youngest grandkid and his name is Asher and Asher is a piece of work it's like anything he hears he's eight years old anything he hears it's locked in and then it comes out and you're just not expecting it you're sitting in the back seat and they're in traffic and he goes good lord this is the most traffic I've seen in all my born days And that was when he was six. That's a, 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 
He just, he just, he just says stuff. He writes the most amazing cards. We have a 16-year-old grandson who his opening line is, I can't believe you are another year older. You know, he's real creative with his cards. And Asher is like, my wife's Mimi, I'm Papa. You know, Mimi, you are a most gracious and godly woman. Kids using alliteration. He's eight years old. And he says, Papa is so blessed to have a partner like you by his side. I'm going, what the? So these are my sermon notes. I had Asher proof them, and he, uh, he just sort of punches it up for me. And uh, Papa, I don't think that's the word you want to use. They have a mom, my, my, uh, Asher and, and his sister Zoe. That's my son, Joel, and Lauren's kids. And our daughter-in-law, Lauren, is she's just a, a prize. She's wonderful. But man, girl is cheap. Joel's always ready to spend money, and she's like, no, uh-uh, no, no. She's, she's frugal. Uh, she, is, she is frugal. And... Um, and so we have this thing, I think it was our, our 18-year-old granddaughter who created it, and it's called the Papa Spa Treatment. And the Papa Spa Treatment is when the grandkids come to our house, and I just, you know, I, I have their parents' permission to do it, but it's just ridiculous servings of dessert. It's just absurd. It's obscene, actually. I don't mean to do it. I just, it just I'm like, okay, show restraint, show restraint, oh, what the heck, you know, and then... So it's, it's pizza, it's ice cream, it's, it's uh, movies, it's games. Now, now it's, a, it's a virtual reality game that, uh, that my grandsons like to, well, everybody in, in enjoys that. <clears throat> so uh, I don't have any problem renting movies for them. It's no problem. It would cost me $100 to take them to the movies. So, you know, like, uh, you know, $5.99. But to them because of their mom, who would never rent anything. It's just, they can't believe it. It blows their minds. It just absolutely, they're like, oh. And Asher, being as articulate as he is, he just starts pacing. He goes, you are unbelievable. He goes, you are, Papa, is there anyone more generous than you? I go, man, you guys are deprived. So mom's downstairs playing playing cards with, uh, with, with my wife. And so, and they're really, they're into it. And so we got a little extra time, school's out. And, and, uh, and so we watched the movie and then I said, you guys want to watch another one? And uh, yeah, and then, but Asher's like, but Papa, please, I'm begging you, make sure it's a free one. <laughs> you don't need to spend your money like that on us. And I, well, I couldn't find a free one of what they wanted to watch, and so that just blew his mind. He's just like, unbelievable! This is unbelievable! And he sits down next to me, and he pats me on the leg, and he says, he goes, you are such a great papa. Then he goes, you know, we won't have you forever. So we need to enjoy you while we can. Oh, these kids. I always dreamed of my, my pastor, uh, he's in heaven now, d- died um, a 
a short time ago, Pastor Jack Hayford, and he always used to tell grandkids stories. And I, I always thought, oh man, I'm going to do that when I, when I have grandkids. So here I am, uh, uh, carrying on the tradition. Hey, let me brag on, on uh, Pastor Mark for a second. Is that okay? To my way of thinking, the two premier unity men, like boots on the ground unity guys, are Pastor Mark Lancaster from Unite Church and your pastor. Uh, they are tireless workers for unity. And, and I want to tell you something. It is sometimes the most thankless job. Uh, it is pastors. I mean, I, I can beat on them because I'm one of them. Uh, it is like herding cats sometimes to get pastors uh, together. And uh, so the best, best unity man in the north is Mark Lancaster. Best uni unity man in the south is Mark Rampula. And I get the pleasure of working with both of them. Yeah. So we help each other. And, but the three of us work very closely together. We're, we got big plans for some stuff we're working on right now. But Mark Lancaster and Mark Rampula, for as much good as they do together, it's dangerous. And it's dangerous to be around them when they're together. I'm, I call them the marks of the ministry. That's what I call them. I, I bear in my body the marks of the ministry. Because when I go somewhere with them, you don't know what's going to happen. Like a lot of good stuff has happened, but, you know, we're, you know, we're in... New York and, and you know, it, it's, a, it's a monsoon. You know, I'm trying to get, we had a nice dinner with some people we were working with who were helping us with stuff around here, and it's time to go back to the hotel. New York people don't, they don't know that. They, oh, there's one more thing, one more. I'm like, no, oh, man. So anyway, we lost them somewhere, the other guys we were with. It was a monsoon in Manhattan. And, uh, and, you know, I'm walking back. Finally, Pastor Mark's like, I, I got to get back to the hotel. So I go, I'm going with you. And, uh, and we, the, the rain is horizontal. By the time we got back to the hotel, I mean, my clothes were soaking uh, wet. And I'm thinking, if my wife knew what Mark Lancaster and Mark Rampula are doing to me, she would be so mad. Because these guys think I'm younger than I am. She thinks I'm older than I am. <laughs> Honey, like, I still like to do water sports uh, at the lake. And she's like, <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm getting ready to get in the water. And, and somebody bought me this really cool kneeboard. And I love this thing. And so and my wife, I'm getting ready to get in the water. And she goes, Honey, honey, look at me. Look at me. I look at her. She goes, You don't have to do this. I go, honey, it's water. It's not, you know, if it was a skateboard, I, you know, I can see that. Anyway, that's all right. Genders and generations, races and graces, that's where the fullness is. We need each other. We need each other. Genders and generations, races and graces. Two genders, male and female. Just, I have to clarify that today. Uh, um, uh, we, we need men and women boys and girls, younger and older. We need every grace that God has given, gift, the giftings he's given to people. 
There, there are secrets to, the, to God's character that he has hidden in various ethnic groups, racial groups, and you'll never, you will never come to understand the fullness of God if you just stick with your group. Uh, you know, I, learned, you know, I learned how to preach narrative passages from an African-American homiletics professor in college. And man, he would, he's like, you've got to get down into the flesh and bone and blood of these people. These are real. Don't make the Bible the, the unreal book. And he would model it for us. And uh, I have learned, I've, I've preached on five continents. I've traveled all over the world. And everywhere I go, uh, I just, it's like, wow, these people have so much to teach, uh, to teach me. And it's true with churches. We, um, we need each other. I don't care how many times I have preached a passage or heard a passage preached. When I hear uh, a pastor I've not heard before preach that passage, I always learn something. It's always like, oh man, I, 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 didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't see that before. So we need each other. And I'm, I'm really honored to be here uh, today. And um, uh, I want to ask you if you would turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be begin with verse 38. We'll be there in, in just a moment. Uh, recently, our church, New Song Nashville, we brought a series of messages under the theme, A Jesus Generation. A Jesus Generation. We, had, uh, we brought a series on, on being a, uh, a Josiah generation and talked about the things that we can learn. And, and we talked about Josiah. We talked about Hezekiah. And uh, we said, but for all that we can learn from, from the lives of these Old Testament characters, what about us becoming a Jesus generation? And by that, I mean a last days generation that experiences uh, the outpouring of God's spirit without measure and gets the job of the Great Commission actually completed. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, Peter said there was coming a generation like that. He said that, uh, he says, you know, part of the way to understand uh, prophetic uh, material in the, in the Bible is usually there is initial fulfillment, subsequent fulfillment, ultimate fulfillment. And, uh, and so you, you, that, that's like you read the book of Isaiah and you're like, is he talking about the first coming of Jesus, or is he talking about the second coming of Jesus? He's talking about both. He's talking about what's going to happen when the king comes the first time, and then what's going to, hap what's going to happen when the millennial kingdom is established. It, it takes a little detective work, but, uh, but, but, it's, but it's worth the search. And so when Peter on the day of Pentecost says, these men are not drunk as you suppose, it's only the third hour of the day, which means only nine o'clock in the morning, uh, he says, uh, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And in the last days, in the last days, I will pour my spirit on all flesh, out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your, your, uh, your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. On my men servants and on my maid servants will I pour out my spirit in, in those days, and they will prophesy. So that not only found its fulfillment on the day of Pentecost, it's partial fulfillment. It will find its ultimate fulfillment at some point before the return of the Lord when there is an unprecedented outpouring of the Holy Spirit and, and, and where, uh, where instead of, instead of uh, arguing about 
what men can do and what women can do, we, we, we're contending for the fact that it's going to take sons and daughters. It's going to take men servants and maid servants. It's going to take young and old. It's going to take everybody functioning uh, in accordance with the grace and giftings in their life. There is going to come a generation that will usher in the return of, the, of Christ. My question for us is, why not us? Why not us? Why couldn't we be that generation? Uh, I believe that, uh, that it's been well within our grasp to see the Great Commission uh, fulfill the gospel for every person and a church for every people for a long time. We have simply lacked the will and uh, the desire uh, to do it. There's a man by the name of John Armott, and John Armott was a tremendous, tremendous leader. He, was, uh, he worked with the YMCA when the YMCA actually was the YMCA. It actually, uh, the, the C actually was held high, not, not what you see today. And I have a, I've got a 50-year history with the YMCA and a bit of a, a, a history buff on that organization. I've worked a lot with it over the years. I don't anymore for that very reason. When, some, when something or someone no longer wants to live according to mission, you're, you're really, you're spinning, you're spinning your wheels. Well, John Armott, in 1923, took a world tour. There's no planes doing that at that time, so he did it by ship, and went to YMCA bases uh, all over the world, and th those lectures turned, became a book called Confronting Young Men with the Living Christ. And, uh, and, and John Armott founded the World Council of Churches when it, was, uh, when it wasn't just an ecumenical political um, arm. It actually was churches fellowshipping with one another. And he coined the phrase, every nation in our generation. He was dreaming big. John Armott was born in 1865 at the end of the Civil War, and he died in 1955 after the Korean War. Can you imagine all that he saw? In his, uh, in his lifetime. But he couldn't get it done in his lifetime because of politics and preferences and, and, and believers being carnal and petty with one another uh, rather than being, you know, there's a long list of things that can separate us and a short list of things that unites us. We need to be people of the short list. We need to be people of the short list. And so Pastor Mark and I, and others, we're dreaming big dreams. We're going, somebody's gonna have to do it at some point, why not us? Why not us, why not our generation? And, and when the Bible talks about a generation, uh, in, in Greek, it, it, that means uh, those that draw breath at the same time. So a generation is made up of generations, it's, it's us. Uh, how many people are alive in this room today? Yeah, it's us. It's, uh, um, um, if you're wondering, we can hold a glass up to you and see if you're, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all y'all. It's all of us. It's, it's all of us together. So as we were talking about a Jesus generation, we talked about uh, the pattern of Jesus. We talked about the priorities of Jesus. Uh, we talked about uh, the potential that's in Jesus, the power of Jesus and the people of, uh, of Jesus. Um, uh, Asher came up with those titles. Uh, I didn't. I, I would have never been able to think of that. Here it is, Papa. You know, preach this, and uh, no. Uh, and it was a great series. You know, our prophetic theme for this year at New Song is is renewal, reformation, and revival. Renewal, reformation, and revival. 
How many of you can see that the church in America is in need of great reformation? How many of you can see that we all could, could stand renewal in our lives? And that, uh, that we're all, we all want to see revi revival in our lifetime. That's actually a promise I have from God. And so, you know, we're closer to it than we might imagine. You know, this is the Lord said that I would live, uh, live to see genuine revival in the church and the greatest awakening America has ever known. And that I wouldn't only live to see it, but I would live to lead in it for a number of years. Okay, I'm 66 years old, so come on, Jesus. <laughs> and, but Jesus is saying, come on, church. Come on, church. I'm, you know, Jesus, always remember, Jesus is not waiting to be begged. He is waiting to be Lord. He's not waiting to be begged. He's waiting to be Lord. When he, when he is Lord of all in our lives, all heaven will break loose. All heaven will break loose. He's not holding anything back from, from an open and willing people. His hands are full, but, uh, but, the, but our hands have to be empty. Uh, so if we're just, if we're all about uh, making money and memories rather than, and marking time rather than making history, if our hands are full of all our little things we want to do, then he's got nowhere to put it. But if we'll empty ourselves of, of, of those secondary things, he will fill our hands with the riches of heaven, which is, and how many of you know the riches of heaven are way more satisfying than the riches of earth? All right, I'm going to preach myself happy up here. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> there's a, this is an example of taking scriptures out of context. There was a preacher who took the scripture where Paul says to Agrippa, King Agrippa, uh, I think myself happy. And he just says, that's what you need to do. You need to think yourself happy. No, no, go read on. I think myself happy to be able to be meeting with you and talking with you. So you can think yourself happy, but uh, that's, that's not exactly what he was teaching uh, in that. All right, Acts. Uh, to Peter coming to the end of his sermon on the day of Pentecost. It says, then Peter said to them, verse 38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You know, when you remit a payment, you, 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 you pay. So the remission of sins is payment for sins. Uh, that uh, you're... you're your debts are canceled. So, but, you know, you have to repent. You have to turn from sin. You have to turn from self. And you have to turn from Satan. And put your faith in Christ. And how do you know if somebody's actually uh, done that? You'll see it in their life. No new life, no new birth. No new life, no new birth. So if there's not new life in and through you, you have not been born again. And there's a lot of people who are going to be very surprised when they see Jesus one day and find out that the whole notion of making Jesus Savior but not Lord is mythology. Jesus, it, but what will they say to him when they see him? They don't say Savior, Savior. They say Lord, Lord. And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And what he means is we never got married. It would be like an old girlfriend in high school, and I see her on the street, and she says, honey, honey, this is my husband. I'm like, you know, I'm with her. I'm with Joan. You know, you took me to prom. Yeah, that moment, we might have gone to prom together. We never got married. You don't bear my name. Uh, my wife bears my name. We got, we got married. So 
You can't bear the name of Jesus unless you've been joined to him. And if you're joined to him, then his spirit will, uh, his spirit will make you new. Not perfect, but new. And now, now, we're, now we're on the journey of growing in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he says, And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Dif- different from the gift of salvation. Complementary, but, but, but different. You know, I've, I've, I've never one time sat with one of my conservative evangelical uh, brothers and walked them through all kinds of passages related to the fullness of the Holy Spirit and had them do anything other than, hmm, I don't know that I've seen that before. Uh, the Bible is filled with examples of the fact that not only do we need to be born again and baptized in water, we, we need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'll be uh, Wednesday night with Pastor Mark Lancaster, and we will be uh, teaching on and leading your students into the fullness of the Holy Spirit, if that's something that they haven't uh, experienced. Camp is great. Camp is great. By the way, 50 years ago, this next month, I was born again at a, at, at a, at a camp. Um, I was 16 years old. I was sin-soaked and hell-bound church kid. I thought I was saved. I thought I was saved. My mom and dad thought I was saved. Everybody looked at me like I was saved. I was teaching third and fourth grade Sunday school in my little Pentecostal church. But what I discovered is there's a thing that I call Baptists made it up and Pentecostals ate it up. And that is the notion that you can just say some words and no change ever happens in your life and you're good to go. And so when I heard Pastor Jack Hayford preach the gospel that night, I realized I'm not saved. This, this doesn't explain a lot. This explains everything. And I got saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit the same night at that camp. So 50 years, and this is my 40th anniversary as a senior pastor, planted our first church when I was 26 years old. That church in California is celebrating its 40th anniversary. This is the 30th anniversary of, um, of our church, New Song Nashville. And it's the 50th anniversary of the Jesus Movement. Uh, and that was the year that I was born again, right in the middle. So you can imagine when I saw the movie Jesus Revolution, I was toast. I just cried my, cried my eyes out. And then that was the first time I heard that Living Water song, and I'm like, oh my God. Just, all this stuff just comes flooding back. You know, Pirate's Cove to me was not something on a screen. I've been there. And, uh, and all those people, Chuck Smith, Lonnie Frisbee, Greg Laurie, those were all people that I ministered alongside uh, a few years after that. But, but, but so this is a, this is a, a real year of, mile, of milestones. But I'll tell you the milestone that I want to see in the future, and that is the Church of the Lord Jesus in full-on revival. And uh, I've never seen it in my ministry life. I was born into revival when I was a teenager, but in all 43 years of full-time ministry, I've never, I've seen little, you know, I've seen Toronto or Pensacola, little things that happened for a while, and that's all very encouraging. But what, I'm, I'm not talking about meetings. I'm talking about the church being fully functional and, uh, and where you got good marriages and you're raising good and godly kids and, uh, 
and, and you're working hard, and, and, but you're eating your bread with gladness because of the fullness of, uh, of the Lord. Write this down if you're taking notes. Reaching those within your reach. It says in, he says, for the promise is to you, verse 39, and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse. That word perverse, that's interesting in, in, in Greek. It is the word scolios. What, what word in English would we get from scolios? Scoliosis, which means what? Crooked, bent. And so he's saying, he says, this culture is bent. This culture is corrupt. This culture is profane. Get out. It doesn't say, in, in, in the Greek, uh, it, it, it doesn't say, let God save you from this corrupt generation. In this one, it says, run, save yourself. Some translations have, save yourself from the corruption around you. And how many of you know we live in a very corrupt culture? It's been corrupted in so many uh, ways. And what do we need to be? We need to be lights in a dark place. We need to be above reproach in, in everything that, uh, that we do. Be saved, he says, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear, godly fear, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. That's not a statement about socialism. These people had come from all over the world, gotten saved, baptized in water, baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they didn't want to go home. They wanted to stay in Jerusalem and see this community be established. And so, well, what are we going to do? They don't have jobs here, so everybody pooled their resources. Now, this is not a statement against the free market. This is not a statement against capitalism. This is the church doing whatever it took to take care of their brothers and sisters, and it's in that spirit that we need to continue to operate. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Literally in the Greek, it, it says, uh, the Lord was adding to the church moment by moment. How many of you would like to live in a time where people are coming to the Lord moment by moment? That, and, and I will say, as a, as a, as a young, a very young man, uh, I lived in that. I, I, man, you could, we were talking about Jesus all the time. People were just, they were getting saved. They were getting delivered. Uh, there was, you know, we didn't know as much as we do today about neural pathways and, and, and how all of that works. All we knew is we had these drugged out people whose minds were gone and Jesus was healing them like that. They were, their, their, their minds were, were back. Uh, Greg Laurie was a man like that. Mike McIntosh, a uh, gun went off uh, near his head, and he was, he was so, uh, he, he was on such heavy doses of LSD that he thought for three days, he thought his head had been blown off. He wouldn't even look in a mirror because he was sure half of his head was gone. And in that, he came to Christ and, uh, and he was instantly delivered. His mind was healed, and uh, he's in his 70s today going gangbusters for, um, uh, for, for Jesus. 
we've got to be careful that we don't make the Bible the unreal book. These are people. They're people like, like you and me, and they were living in the fullness of, of God's purposes for them. So I just want to take a couple of minutes and, and just break some things uh, out for us, and then I just want to ask you if you would like today to be a day of fresh commissioning for you, where you move into a preferred and prophetic future in God greater than anything you've ever known before, and where you become, and I become, uh, more effective for the gospel than, than we've ever been in our entire lives. And it's really, uh, it's simpler than we know and more costly than we can imagine. Uh, we can do it. It's just, it's, but we're going to have to be people who go to bed as Jesus people and get up as Jesus people. We're going to have to be people who, who say to ourselves, uh, thank you for all things richly to enjoy. That is not what my focus is. You know, your pastor was talking about um, the, uh, this, uh, no, uh, well, one of your leaders was, uh, uh, was talking about something that I have said exactly that way for decades. My wife and I are not looking, uh, we're going to answer the enough question. We're going to let the Lord say, okay, that's enough. You'll, you'll never live in a bigger house, you'll never drive a nicer car, you'll never take better vacations, and you'll never wear more expensive clothes, that's enough. Now, as your income grows, raise your standard of giving, not your standard of living. And we answered that question long ago. Now, when you're first married, you haven't answered the enough question. Some of you have a junk car, and uh, God wants to do more for you. <laughs> and it's not, it's, not my, uh, it's not my job to answer that enough question. So if the enough question for you is a is a 12,000 square foot home that you invite people into all the time, that's between you and the Lord. Uh, my wife and I, a few years ago, we downsized. We, uh, uh, we sold the, the home we had and, and we live in a, in a smaller place. We're simplifying and man, to have more and more room to be able to give is, uh, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful freedom. It's a wonderful freedom. So write this down uh, as well, if you would. Number one, reaching neighbors, nations, and generations. Reaching neighbors, nations, and, and generations. Here's the mission statement for our church. Our mission is to see souls saved and disciples made by reaching neighbors, nations, and generations with the good news of Jesus Christ's love and power. So you're talking about neighbors. A neighbor is anyone near to you. And... Uh, and how do you reach those within your reach? Well, look at the spheres that God has put you in. Uh, that's your field. That's your sphere to work, and you have tremendous authority there. You might not know that, but, but God has given you tremendous authority. You have tremendous authority in your neighborhood. So which makes more sense, for you to reach the people on your street or for me to reach the people on your street? How many of you uh, are the kind of people that if you see somebody in your neighborhood that doesn't belong in your neighborhood, you notice? Anybody like that? Yeah, that's me. That's me. My wife said, get away from the window. Uh, you know, we've got these four single girls that live across the street from us. And, and what, honey, what are you doing? I don't, they got a box out in their driveway. That should, that needs to be brought inside. That's, that's just a tracks criminals who, you know, and porch pirates, and, you know, these girls are all, 
you know, these girls are all, you know, they're smart girls. They're all college educated, but they're young. And, you know, being young is wonderful, but it's also a disease. And uh, <laughs> you, 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 hopefully you get wiser as, uh, you know, as, as time goes on. So I know when, you know, now how many, anybody here uh, in middle school or high school? Anybody here? Let me see your hands. How would you like me to show up on your campus and start witnessing to your friends? Creepy, right? Creepy old guy. Hey, <laughs> I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Stranger danger, stranger danger, stranger danger. I don't belong there. I don't belong there, but you do. You have tremendous, nobody's, you, you walk onto your campus and it seems great. College, middle school, high school, neighborhood. I come into your neighborhood. It's like, who's this guy? But you, 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 you get to your neighbors. You know, what stores do you frequent? You know, you look like people who are in pretty good shape. What gyms do you go to? Uh, what are you lifting? <laughs> no, that's, that's what we used to ask each other when we were younger. Nobody asked me that anymore. <laughs> what are you lifting? Myself off the chair. <laughs> Isn't it impressive? <laughs> I'm glad to be doing it. <laughs> My wife and I, we just, we just keep looking at each other, and we just keep making new sounds. You know what I'm talking about? She goes, what was that? Something's hurting that wasn't hurting before. So, you know, we're kind of like, oh, oh. We, sound, we sound like we're, you know, like singing some kind of native song. Hey, what's going on? Just getting out of the chair. <laughs> My son says, Dad, you get more mileage out of old guy jokes. I said, yeah, I've waited for this for a long time. Yeah. It's where I am. But you're reaching those within your reach. Reaching those within your reach. You have authority, and by God's grace, with the truth of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, you have capacity. You can do it, but here's what can be a real challenge for us, and it's what I call the affirmation addiction. Everybody likes to be liked. Nobody likes to be rejected, and so you build rejection up in your mind like it's fatal. It's not. Anybody in sales... In this room, anybody in sales ever had somebody say no? Yeah. You're not going to be a good salesperson if, you're not, if you don't deal with, with rejection. But you know what Jesus said to do with rejection? Reject it. He said reject rejection. Shake the dust off. Shake the dust off. See, your job is not to save people. Your job is to get the gospel to them. God's in the saving business. We're in, we're, we're in the gospel sharing business. And if somebody says, no, you'll live. You'll be okay. Touch somebody near you and say, you'll be okay. Yeah, you can, you can handle it. I had a guy, speaking of, of reaching those within your reach, I had a guy call me a couple years ago. And he gave me his name, and it was vaguely familiar. He goes, do you remember me? And I said, well, give me a minute. <laughs> give me a minute. Um, and, and it dawned on me, oh, yeah, 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 I remember you. You, you, used to, you used to manage 
Body Focus, the gym there in Southern California, in Thousand Oaks. Yeah. And he said, do you remember that you would take me out to breakfast and coffee? And back then, there was no Starbucks. You know, it was somebody came and poured coffee in your cup. They didn't, it was just caffeinated or decaffeinated. That was your choice. There was no triple latte, somersaults, you know, it was a, you know, there was a, and they would, all they would say is, coffee. And, you know, and well, we had some characters, these waitresses, and just when you get your coffee the way they want it, what would they do? Pour more coffee on it, right. So anyway, he said, and remember you shared the gospel with me? Mm-hmm. And remember I didn't believe it? Good times. Thanks, uh, thanks for bringing back that back up. And remember you tried to, as a Jew, you tried to tell me how Jesus was the Messiah, and remember how I didn't believe you? More good times, yeah. And remember I visited your church and I didn't like it? Wow, this is uh, your, this little trip down memory lane is, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> and why was it you called? And, uh, and, and he said, he goes, well, I, wanted you to, I want you to know something. He goes, I dumped on everything you held dear. I, I completely rejected everything you were about, but you didn't reject me. I thought, this guy is not going to talk to me anymore. He's not going to. You're not going to want anything to do with me, but you didn't. You, you continue to be kind to me, and, 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 uh, and you said, if I ever wanted to hear more, just, you know, let you know. He said, well, I wanted you to know, a couple years ago, I was sitting in, in my living room. My marriage is gone. My wife left me, left our son with me. I'm a single dad. And I was about as low as low could be, and so I was just clicking the television, changing channels, and there was Greg Laurie doing a harvest crusade. And I saw, I just kind of was watching, listening, and he said, then something happened that was just completely supernatural. I didn't even touch the remote, and the volume on the television disappeared. And all I could see was Greg Laurie's lips moving. And he said, but your voice came up in, inside of me. And I remembered everything you said, and I gave my life to Christ right there in the, in, in the, in the living room. And I got lots of stories like that. A lot of, a, a lot of you do. You know, you have to, you've got to deal with, with the rejection by just saying that's just par for the course. The Great Commission is not that everybody believes. The Great Commission is that everybody hears. We owe it to the people in our spheres to reach them. So reaching neighbors, nations, generations with good news, with good works, and with God's power. Which comes first, good news or good works? What, doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever just don't leave, don't leave the good news out. Don't give somebody a bottle of water and, and, a, and a bag of food and not share the gospel with them. Because uh, that bottle of water and, and, and bag of food is going to meet their immediate need. It will not save their soul. So why not let them know that you come in the name of the Lord? Well, that just seems like, uh, that just seems like manipulation. Manipulation? You see somebody who has cancer, and you make them a meal, and, but you also have the cure for cancer, and you think that's manipulative to let them know you can cure their cancer? No, sin is a cancer, folks. Thank God that somebody actually shared the gospel with me 50 years ago. Thank God that, uh, uh, you know, that I didn't die in my sins. So 
we need to do it all. We need to help people in, 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 in every way uh, that we can. And the odd thing is, is that for, for many, not, not all, but for many, this is like, um, it's like a new thing. And, but it isn't a new thing. It, this is what these people did back here. They reached those within their reach with good news and good works and with God's power. And sometimes that's the calling card. How many of you have found that if you ask somebody to pray, if you can pray for them, most of the time they say yes. So that may be the calling card that opens them up is that you pray for them and God heals them. Uh, sometimes the signs and wonders follow the gospel. Sometimes they precede the gospel. The issue is just that we allow ourselves to get up uh, or we call ourselves to get up every day and and realize we can't reach everybody but we can reach our neighbors we can reach those within within our reach my wife and I moved to Nashville proper after uh, living in Williamson County for for years we live in Nippers Corner and and I frequent there's a Kroger then there's a Walmart, neighborhood market, and a Publix. And each of them has their charm. Uh, the charm of the Walmart one is, is, you know, a can of beans costs twice as much at Publix as it does at, at Walmart. So beans are beans. And, uh, and Kroger has something, you know, has a certain kind of, of frozen fruit that I like to, with smoothies. And it's right there, so it's not, it's not like I'm burning up gas. Well, I got my peeps. I got my people. I've got my Walmart neighborhood market people. I got my Publix people and I got my Kroger people. And I just will consistently connect with these people and ask them if I can pray for them. Uh, and our neighbors, we, we were in a, a new neighborhood and you know, what, you know what neighborhoods are like. People get in there with the best of intentions. We're going to know our neighbors, know our neighbors, know our neighbors. And they're not there very long. And everybody's just driving out and driving in. And maybe if you have kids, they, they play with each other. But we live in a culture of isolation. And that can be threatening. Rejection can be threatening, but isolation can be threatening. We have to allow God to make us bold. We have to say to ourselves, to our souls, come on, my soul. Don't you grow shy on me. This is, and how many of you know when you let God make you brave, you're always happier after you, you've done whatever. You're not, it's not gonna make you miserable and it could very well save the lives of people. Just quickly, number two, reaching people in every place. It's important that we have a good theology of place. The secret place, the gathering place, and the public place. And that we know how to conduct ourselves in each one of those places. The secret place is any place that you can get along with God. Any place that you can get along with God. A lot of people don't go to the secret place, which is why they try to make the gathering place the secret place. When you're here, you're not alone. You're not alone with God here. When you're here, we're all together. We're worshiping the Lord together. The secret place is where you meet with God alone. The gathering place is where the saints come together. You, you know this, we do this at our church too. There's probably right now in this room, conservatively, there's probably 50 prophetic words that need to be spoken to people in this room by people in this room. 
it's, and all you have to do is just lean in and listen. And, and sometimes you're doing it and you don't even, you don't even recognize it that way. Hey, how, how, how you doing? Good to see, you know, I just felt like I was supposed to come over and say this to you. What, what does that mean? Probably means that the Lord prompted you to come over and say that. And, and, you, and listen, we're Jesus people. We have the, we have the we've got the, the message. We've got the best message anybody could ever hear. We've got, we've, we've got it, we have it in our grasp. The good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God, and he offers the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to anyone who will repent and believe in him. Those are the elements of the gospel. That's what we call the gospel creed. All of our academy kids, they all memorize that. It comes from Dr. Rice Brooks. And uh, you can say it a little differently than that, but you have to have those components in. That's, that's, that's the good news. And, and if we will uh, certainly be led by the Lord, but if we'll make a fresh commitment to reach our spheres. I'll tell you part of my sphere, my sphere is my grandkids. And I have been there every single time when they have received Christ, been baptized in water, and, uh, and been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and had a hand in, you know, when, when our 18-year-old, seven years old, she was just having a hard time wrapping her head around the gospel. But she said to her mom, let me talk to Papa. He just has a way of explaining things. Okay, well, her mom and dad, they did a great job sharing the gospel with her. But she just needed, she just needed help. So I'm not saying if you're our age and older, you do whatever the Lord leads you to do. But my wife and I are not driving around with a Winnebago with a bumper sticker saying we're spending our kids' inheritance. I got a job to do. I'm on my kids' team with their kids. But I've got a job to do in our church. I got a job, I, I might go from a senior lunch into helping out with a, with, with a uh, kid's summer celebration. Wherever, what is your sphere? That's, I think that's the main thing. Who are those people that are within, within your reach? Give them what they so desperately need because you have it in, in, your, in your grasp. And then lastly, becoming people of a three-way reach. It's the way we talk about it in our church. Reach up to God reach into one another, reach out to the world. Reach up to God in prayer and praise and worship. Reach into one another, providing care, making disciples, developing leaders, and reach out to the world through evangelism, through acts of, uh, of, of compassion and, and, and justice, and helping everyone uh, to, hear, to hear the gospel message. So here's my, here's my close, and I ask if you would like to respond uh, to this. There are people in your world who need the Jesus in you. And it's not a world that I am supposed, maybe I might cross into to it occasionally, but it's really, it's really not, it, it, it's not where I live. It's not, it's where you live. And I said, if it's a college campus or, you know, my wife is a, is a fantastic equipping evangelist. 
and uh, she is assistant chaplain at uh, Deborah K. Johnson Rehabilitation Center, the Tennessee Prison for Women. She probably leads more people to Jesus than anybody in our church. Uh, she's also a chaplain with the uh, Williamson County Sheriff's Department. And, um, and you know, m my wife is as pure as the driven snow. She has no past. Uh, and, and when she first started working in the prison, that's what she said to me. Honey, these ladies, they all have a past. I don't have a past. I said, I said, they don't need you to have a past. They need you to help them secure a future. And you ought to see her. I'm scared of her in that prison. I go in and she's like, sit down. And then she goes, get up and preach. Say something smart. And, uh, but she does new admissions and, and she teaches a domestic violence uh, recovery uh, class. We do services. We did one uh, today in there. That's her sphere. She's got her world and then there's, there's overlap. All I'm ultimately saying today is, and, and maybe just do this for me if you would. Will you just close your eyes just for a moment? And I just want you to picture the people who are within your reach. I just want you to see their faces. People at the gym, people at the store, people in your neighborhood, people at work, people at, at school. And if you'll ask the Lord to just eat you up with a zeal to reach those people, he will. He will. I mean, there's not a person in this room who doesn't care about reaching people. But we need the Lord's help. And like many of you, there's times where I just, I grow distracted. Uh, sometimes it's just church life. Uh, and, and I can, I can, certainly those are part of the people within my reach. A part of where the secret place is helpful is it reminds us of what we need to be, get ready to do in the gathering place and what we need to do when we go outside the doors into, in, in, into the public place. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.